Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is Sweat, Grit and Hustle. On this week's episode of Sweat, Grit and Hustle, we are going to be looking at a little bit of business insight, namely what to do when things go wrong and you can't run your business and how to start moving yourself from working in your business to on your business. So yesterday got quite a bit of a scare yesterday evening. Uh, A close family member had a rather nasty accident uh, when the stationary car decided to move when they were half in and half out the car. Don't worry, they're okay. A couple of injuries, but nothing serious. Anyway, it got me thinking that when we are in business, many of us start off when it's just us. So we're doing everything. We're doing the admin, we're growing the business, we're doing marketing, sales, everything is down to us. And it got me thinking that, you know, am I ready if something happens to me for my business to be looked after so it doesn't ground to halt? So I thought I'd share today a little bit of business insight around that topic and actually helping you guys that are out there move from being solo entrepreneurs, if that's what you are at the moment, to actually starting to get other people into your business. So let's give it a start with the shock of realizing, you know, life doesn't go on forever. And sometimes what's even worse in in some ways is you're incapacitated for a while and you can't run your business. Now, it may be that your sales slow down because there's nobody else there to do the sales for you. But the critical factor is, is who is going to administer your business to make sure your bills get paid, to make sure money's in the right bank account, to ensure that others know how to deal with that business in your absence for a little while. So here's my top list of what to look at. First and foremost, do you have a will? Yeah. Dread to think that, you know, anybody out there is suddenly going to need it, but it's a fact of life, isn't it? Two things you can guarantee, as they say, are death and taxes. So have you got a will so that if something happens to you, at least everybody can actually get on. You've got people um, executing uh, and processing what they need to if you are no longer here and closing things up tidily. However, if it's that you're incapacitated, your will isn't going to help you. So number two is, have you got a lasting power of attorney? Now there's two types and I'm not going to go into specifics on them because I'm not qualified to do so. Uh, We had Michelle on last, last week and she mentioned a couple of these. There is a lasting power attorney for you in your life. Uh, you know, somebody making decisions about your medical requirements, etc. The other one that impacts your businesses is a financial style lasting power of attorney, giving somebody else permission to actually deal with things in your absence legally. So, you know, sorting out, speaking to the bank, everything to do with your finances. So they're the two things, you know, do you have wills and lasting power of attorneys in place? Now, Michelle mentioned last week, if you've got a limited company, you can also have insurance in place, if you like, or a plan in place that gives you what's known as key man cover. So if your company is limited or a a limited liability partnership, 
that key man cover will allow for somebody else to be paid to operate things in your absence, almost like bringing in another, another employee, so to speak, somebody to act as your director. So there are three things that you might want to check with your own financial planners on or your insurers on. The fourth one is something that I got told about a long time ago by my wonderful um, independent financial advisor. And that was, do you have a fire log? And I'm thinking, I don't even have a blinking real fire. What do I want a fire log for? Anyway, it's nothing to do with heating your house. What a fire log is, is a document that you create that effectively gives instructions to somebody else. What are your bank accounts? How do they get into them? How do they contact them? Um, a list of your um, private funders, if you like. So if you've got some private funding for your business, who are they? What do you owe them? What should be paid every month? Who are your mortgages with if you're a property business? And FireLog is not just about your business. It's also about your home life. So you may have a mortgage on the house you live in. How do they make sure that that is paid, that there isn't any problems? Because the last thing you want if you're incapacitated um, or not here anymore, but incapacitated is the bit that's going to affect you the most from points of view of your mortgage being paid, I guess. Um, how do they make sure that they know who the mortgage company are? How do they contact them? How do they check that your bank's paying your direct debit so that you don't end up where you come back from hospital or you come back from recuperating or whatever it is to find out that a mortgage company started proceedings to recover your house because you've not been paying the mortgage. You get my drift. So this fire log is actually easiest to set up when you start your business. Um, gets a bit harder when you've been running for longer um, because of the fact that there's more stuff to put in it. But these are the types of things I've got in mind. What companies am I a director of? What are the company numbers? What bank accounts are linked to them? What mortgages do I have for my property business? Who are they with? What are the account numbers? The details of my financial advisor, because he will have a lot of information. If you've got a financial wealth planner, the details of them. Effectively, this book is almost like a process book that tells somebody else where everything is for your life and your business. Who do they contact? Who have you got lending through? Who do you need to pay direct debits to? Who are you paying manually each month? How do they get into your accounting system? Who is your accountant? Because they might need to contact them. So you get my drift. The fire log is simply a directory to allow somebody else to go and administer your business in your absence or at least go and contact all your suppliers, all your uh, lending partners, uh, your tenants. Who's looking after your tenants? If you're a property company, if you look after them yourself, what do they need to check is being paid? If you've got letting agents, who are they? Do you have a portfolio list? They know what properties you own in case they've got to deal with the running of those things. So it is really important. It's also really important that they know how to get into your computer. They know where you store your documents. They know where you store all your bills that are due. So literally imagine you were no longer able to do the things you do each day. Which financial bits 
do they need to handle to make sure the wheels keep moving? Even if it can't keep growing, at least they can manage what's already there till you are well and back and able to do it yourself. Um, now, your fire log will also be used in the um, event that you aren't any longer here because, again, if you're not lo no longer here, uh, hopefully you've moved on to a beautiful place somewhere else, um, again, they've got to wind everything down. That is a lot more complicated if they ain't got a clue what's going on with your finances, your bank accounts, your bills, your suppliers. The other factor is for me as a coach and mentor, I will have clients that will booking appointments automatically. They will need to be contacted. So your file is going to have a list of current clients or at least document what file all those details are in. If you've got a CRM, how do they get into it to see which clients need to be phoned to say, really sorry, but they're away, they're ill. This is what we're going to do. So that is literally putting you in a position to effectively not have to come back from what's happened and find your business has literally just crashed under your feet because there was only you running it and nobody else knew how to deal with things if you weren't here. Um, and as, a, as I always say, I trust that you'll never have to face these things, but death and taxes. Two of those things are going to happen during your lifetime. So yeah, that's what we do those things for. So if you don't have a fire log, then start thinking about creating one. Simplest way to start creating it is to start tracking what you do every day. Look at the things that are in your administration space. Look at the things that are in your client management space or your tenant management space and start documenting those things. You never know, it might be really useful one day to the people that have got coming along and, and help sort everything out. So having got over that little one, which is not always one of the best subjects to actually deal with, let's have a chat about how you go from being a solopreneur, somebody running your business on your own, to starting to move things into a space where you've got other people supporting you. Because if you think about it, if you've already got people in your team, whether they're subcontractors or employees, if you're not here, they will have a set of jobs. They can help the people that are going to be looking after your affairs if you're not able to. So one of the great things to think about is right now you could be working in your business. You're a key part of it. You're doing key tasks. You're keeping the wheels moving. You know, if you've just started out, you might be the salesperson, the marketer, the finance director, and there'll come a point as you grow your business where you want to bring other people in to take some of that workload off you. And you might have a desire and a plan to slowly move to a space of working on your business, not in it. So the best place to start is look at all the tasks you do and categorize them. And the simplest way to categorize it is this, put them into three brackets, put them into your £10 tasks, your £100 tasks and your £1,000 tasks. Now, what the flip does she mean by that? I can imagine you're saying, take the things and look at how much you'd roughly pay for somebody else to do them for you per hour. Now, 
The £10 task buckets are the things that are easier to move across to somebody else. And they are usually people that are on a lower amount per hour. So for me, my bookkeeper, they're £12 an hour. So I'd stick that in the £10 task. So this is not about their value. This is just so you can categorize it. So all your administration stuff, most of those will go in a £10 task bucket. Your social media management, yeah, I get it. It might cost you 300 quid an hour to do. You know, if somebody's just putting posts up for you and creating posts on social media, they might be getting paid 10 to £20 an hour to do that on average. So that goes in the £10 tasks. Your next bracket, your £100 task, where it takes more skill to do them, um, where it's going to be a slightly higher price per hour for somebody to deal with that for you if you're not. So for instance, bringing on board a salesperson to grow your business, to manage your sales and your client database and, and get new contracts, if you like, in place, they might fit in the £100 bracket. So these are all the things where if you were going to move them out to somebody else, it's going to cost you in the region of £100 an hour, say, for that person to do it. More skilled, uh, needs more experience, more knowledge, more qualifications. They're going to go in that middle bracket. Your top bracket of £1,000 an hour, these are your more creative things, the things that only you can do and they're harder to delegate. So these are going to be the last things that you move across and outsource. So this could be all your planning, what different services you're going to provide, all that creative juice stuff where you strategize and tactically plan the activities of your business. Right now, there's only you understands that. If you bring in somebody else in and you brought them in to do that once a quarter, you know, you might be paying them a lot more. You might be paying them a thousand pounds a month or a thousand pounds every quarter to do that strategic creative part. So that's your top level bracket. So think of it like this, your 10 pound bracket. And again, it's not about the value. It doesn't mean the people are paid 10 pound an hour. They might be paid more. Um, your 10 brand bracket are the stuff that's easier to move and outsource. It's administrative, it's fixed processes, it's tasks that are almost like in a way repetitive. They're the easier ones to move, they go in that bottom bucket. The middle bucket is the things that need a bit more skill, doesn't necessarily need you and there's people out there that can do it for you, but it's more than just the repetitive administrative style tasks. Your top bucket, your £1,000 is predominantly that you for a lot longer. It's your strategic planning, your directing of your business, all of that stuff. So when you've actually looked at what you're doing right now and you've got your three categories and you've got different things going on what you know, in the different categories, you can start working towards your plan to exit your business on a day-to-day -day basis so that other people are doing the bulk of the work. Start with the £10 or the lower bracket tasks. Look at how you can outsource them to other companies or you might be in a position to employ somebody. So can you employ a full-time bookkeeper or even a part-time one, but they're employed by you? If you don't want to employ them, then is there a supplier out there that could do that for you and with a set of processes, manage your bookkeeping for you? Um and they, you know, they, they might be 10, 15, 20 pound an hour. So your VAs, your bookkeepers, that type of thing. 
Start with those. Start outsourcing those lower tasks because when you are doing them yourself, that is taking time away for you to do the higher level thousand pound tasks that are more creative that only you can do right now. And as you slowly grow, as you slowly get more income into your business, you can move more and more of those tasks away. When they're all gone, you can then start on the middle level and move those tasks away. And you might also choose to do it as a mixture. You might decide to do half your administrative lower category tasks and then get maybe somebody in for sales because maybe that's not your strength. So if there's areas that aren't your strength, marketing, sales, they're not your strength, then look at outsourcing those when you can. But I definitely say start with your basic repetitive admin tasks because they take time away from you to sit down do a little bit of creation, get a little bit of inspiration and put new things in your business to grow it, increase your revenue and get yourself to a point where you're offloading some of the day-to-day tasks so that you're no longer doing them. Wouldn't that be a great thing to aspire to slowly do in your business? So there you go, a couple of tips for you on getting yourself prepared to cover your business in your absence if something unfortunate or unforeseen comes along and also to work a process to get you moving to being on your business, not in your business. Next week on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, we have got the amazing Ellie Mackay. This is a lady that with her husband, Mark, runs multiple businesses and she's also the host of On A Mission podcast. She's also extremely phenomenal at raising capital for her property business and all this in under five years. I think they've been going three to four years as a business. Phenomenal lady, phenomenal story, absolutely amazing guest. I'm looking forward to it. So that's next week here on Sweat, Grit and Hustle. Until then, stay safe and start looking at how you're going to manage your business if you can't be there. To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com. 